If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Coastone Podcast. This is my first ever podcast of Coach Stone Podcast, and we're going to talk about mainly about football. Uh, my first guest is none other than Ricky Upton from Maryville High School in Maryville, Tennessee. Ricky, are you on, on the phone, sir? I'm here with you, man. How, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. How about you? Hey, listen, life is life is awesome always, you know. Um, There's got to be. You know, so – uh, before we start, Ricky, uh, why don't you do this? Because, you know, I'm new at this. You're probably new at this. I've, I've been on a couple podcasts myself. But um, before I go through the rundown, why don't you get a little bio about yourself? So why don't you tell our uh, audience that's listening to the first ever Coach Stone podcast a little about yourself? All right. Um, a little about me. I am originally from Tennessee, uh, traveled all over as a young kid. Uh, football was my main outlet when I traveled around. Um, I lived in Nashville or Middle Tennessee. I'm originally from East Tennessee. I lived in Middle Tennessee, um, lived in Georgia, uh, moved back to East Tennessee, and uh, football is what got got me in education and, and uh I got a scholarship and I went to Penn State University, uh, left Penn State, came back home, and the one thing that was prevalent in my life that I really wanted to do since I didn't make it to the pros was be in football. And so I became a, a high school coach. Uh, I coached at my alma mater for a year. Um, I coached with uh, my high school offense coordinator, coached with him for two years, and then I've been at Maryville now for 10 years. This is my 10th season at Maryville, just finished up. Um, in the 10 years that I've been here, we've gone to nine state championships uh, and won five of them. Uh, and the year we didn't go, we went to the semifinals. So uh, I've been very fortunate and blessed to be in the situation that I am. i got to thank uh, George Corals, uh, my former Head coach, he is now an offense coordinator at uh, at Furman University. I got to thank him for just believing in me and thinking that I can be an integral part in this program. Well, th- okay, well, thanks, thanks for that, Ricky. Um, so, to give a little rundown, the uh, podcast will be starting to be different next time I have another guest because it's the first time, right? So you got to like work out the kinks. So right. the game plan of the podcast, Ricky, was the pregame. You just told us your pregame. That was you, right? Gave right. a bio and everything. We're about to have the kickoff question, okay? And the uh, kickoff question is a question that, you know, we talked about before. Um, we, you know, we talk a lot, right? We, we always oh. talk. We chit-chat football, family, um, everything. You know, from, you know, even when I'm driving or you're driving to something, we're always talking to Rex and O and things like that. But let me ask you this question. Uh, how many coaches should a high school team have, and why is it hard to fill those positions? Uh, we've uh, we've actually chatted about this in our coach's office, um, not just last week. And uh, we were talking, and as as a staff, we believe that a high school a high school coaching staff should consist of twelve, uh, twelve coaches. And um, at Maryville, we're we're different from most people uh, because all of our coaches um, at least should coach freshmen as well. So we coach freshmen all the way through. And I know um, there's some people that I've talked to that are bigger programs that have a freshman staff, a JV staff, and a varsity staff. But if you're one of those that you only have uh, a staff for everybody, like us, um, and 12 coaches is, is the best part. Uh, what I've seen, and the reason why it's so hard to feel, is 
a lot of people just look for freshman coaches. Uh, like they don't want to do anything with the freshmen, and so they just look for freshman coaches. Or uh, every coach that comes in doesn't ever want to just coach freshmen or just, you know, they don't want to coach freshmen. They want to be part of the varsity. And uh, that that's hard. And we've looked at schools that have more than 12 coaches and, you know, are actually smaller than uh, our size, and we're in the largest classification in uh, Tennessee. When you have that many, many people, you have coaches that get in the way, especially with scrimmages or even on the sidelines or in the press box. And then you have a lot of people, uh, uh, a lot of generals and not enough soldiers, to say. Uh, everybody's got their own agenda. Uh, and then you got to find coaches who are able to to either have their niche or be willing to coach different positions. Uh, in my case in general, I, I played running back in high school. I played running back in college. Um, I was a running back coach my first three years uh, of coaching. I come to Maryville, and uh, they asked me to coach linebackers. I've never coached linebackers before. I haven't even played linebacker since my sophomore year in high school. Yeah, but uh, when you ran, Ricky, R- R- Ricky, when you ran, you ran through linebacker. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, try, I tried to do that. I tried to do that. And, uh, and so I took the approach of how would I – as a linebacker coach, I took the approach of how would I stop a running back like myself. So I looked at running backs, and I looked at uh, their tape, and I figured out what they like to do and so I could give my linebackers the best um, the best chance to stop in the place. Uh, in the last two years, I moved from linebacker coach to defensive tackles coach. And um, I hadn't played defensive tackle since uh, I was – nine years old. And so now being 36, I'm trying to figure out, oh, what's the best way? So I look at a lot of skill and drill tapes um, that I found on uh, YouTube. I I try to research what the best line coaches are doing and teaching their guys. And I try to take a little bit from each one of those guys and uh, and, uh, impress it upon my, my athletes. Because uh, to me, one of the best things you can do is teach a kid technique. Um, even you know, like, even if you don't know it, if you can learn the technique and impress it upon your athletes, it, it, they can do a great job. Because 90% of the battle is technique. Uh, a lot of people think football is a, a huge thing, uh, like just strength and size. But I found out if you have technique, you, you know, you got you can win most of the battles out there. Okay. Now, you like, you know, before we go to the uh, first drive question, you talked about, like, you know, skills and drills for YouTube, and I'll, I'll get with that with the first drive question. But, you know, you, you talked about how, one, how some coaches are about the titles, right? You yes. know, And I'll be the first one to admit, you know, when I was younger, titles mattered to me. You know, or, you know I, I wanted to be the – not the head cheese, but, you know, I wanted to be, like, a coordinator, things like that. With you – you 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 weren't like that. It sounds like, where you sounds like you're saying some coaches when they try to come into a program, they're always trying to get that title, or that entitlement, of be that person. And how does that affect your staff if that occurs, or that that guy does not get past the uh, the fence? I would say. Well, I mean, at first I was like that when I uh, my, my I was in my second year of coaching. Uh, when I left my alma mater to go and uh, uh, coach with my high school offense, uh, offensive coordinator, he's the head coach, and um, I thought I knew everything coming one year out of it, and I asked to be, uh, can I be the offense coordinator? And he just laughed. Were you, were you good at Madden or no? No, I never, I never played Madden, but I'm I'm great at NCAA. <laughs> I'm great at NCAA. <laughs> well, yeah, it'd be NCAA, right? Back then, yeah. NCAA. Yeah. I'd be like, hey, I've won the national championship five times. I can run an offense. Five? I, I, I got 25 national championships on my NCAA right now. So. <laughs> well, then why aren't you a head coach then, Ricky? Come on. <laughs> uh, and so when I got there, and I realized, oh, well, he said he would give me you know, the run coordinator and title. And, and 
that's a big thing coming out of your, you know, just your second year coaching. And then uh, when I moved to Maryville, I, I just thought I automatically assumed I was going to be a running backs coach. Um, now, we never really talked about it. Um, I just knew the greatest coach in East Tennessee wanted me to come and uh, coach with him. And I was like, yeah, I'll do whatever you uh, – I'm coming. I just assumed. And when I got here, he was like, you're going to coach linebackers. It was a shock to me. And so I had to check my ego at the door to be a part of the program. Mm-hmm. Okay. So and, – and it's been great. And uh, I'll tell you this, uh, we got a coach two years ago who was a, a former head coach and a former uh, defensive coordinator who just wanted to come and be a part of the program that we have. And uh, he was more comfortable with coaching uh, – Coach of linebackers, and uh, the head coach asked me, he said, Ricky, uh, would you be willing to coach? I said, I know you've coached linebackers for eight years, but would you be willing to coach D-tackles? And um, as a team, we preach sacrifice, and we te- we preach team before me. And uh, what better way to show that, that, you know, you have a coaching staff that believes that when you have several different coaches that are willing to coach things, that are that are not in their wheelhouse, but are willing to work at it to get better at it for the kids. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. There's the whistle. So the kickoff's over. So let's go with the first question, uh, the first drive of the first drive of this uh, podcast uh, for the for the audience. Just so you know, the uh, it's going to be a game plan. So typically, podcasts will be like you know first quarter, second quarter, third quarter. What I try to do with the pod, Coach Stone podcast is we're going to have a game plan. So the pregame is the bio, Ricky, already, Ricky Upton, everyone from Maryville High School, D-line coach. Um, then we got the kickoff question we already talked about. We have the first drive question, halftime. We'll get a little commercial break, even though we have no sponsors yet, Ricky. That's a little side joke right there. You're going to um, get one after this. You, I, you know what we could do? We could, we could promote my book or my camps. We could always do that, yeah. couldn't we? Always. <laughs> yeah, right? So – um, then we could go. Uh, next next one will be a kickoff return. We'll come out at halftime with a kickoff return, um, second second drive, and then a two minute warning, and then we'll do end the game. And if we have to go to overtime, we will. So great kickoff question. Now we're on the first drive question, and you already touched base on it when I asked you how many how many coaches you said you should twelve, but I made it. The next question goes into what you said about skills and drills. YouTube. What do you believe makes a great, like, I'm sorry, what do you believe are great D-line drills to make a D-lineman better? Like, what does a D-lineman need to be, do to be a better D-lineman? Uh, the, the, the best thing that i found that a D-lineman can do, and uh, this is my philosophy, and this is the philosophy I've got from watching uh, Coach Johnson at Ohio, at Ohio State, and um, I just know him by, you know, by name, but, uh, or, and I've played with his son at Penn State, but, uh, I've watched Alabama coaches do it. I've watched Auburn coaches do it, North Carolina coaches. I've, I've watched coaches. The, the one thing that I've found that everybody teaches is that contact separation. When you create separation between yourself and the offensive lineman, uh, especially on run plays, it makes it so much easier uh, for you to get off of a block and to make a play. That's very important, isn't it, there? It, it's huge. Uh, because you'll find most people, uh, most the most D linemen that don't want to create separation, uh, uh, and therefore they're they're stuck with the block. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you can't get off of a block, and so therefore, and as a running back, if they're uh, if they're tied to a man, that's a win for an offensive lineman. I, I know I can get past them because they can't get off the block. But well, if hey. they're good. Well, I'm sorry, Ricky. Remember, offensive linemen don't hold unless they're caught. So there's there's no holding on the offensive line. I was told. Oh, there is. And I, I remember one time our offensive line coach said he couldn't have hold. I hadn't taught him how to do that yet. So, <laughs> uh, hey, I'm just telling you what I, what offensive line coaches tell me. They they say, hey, we don't get we don't we don't hold unless oh. we get caught. So. I can believe it. I, I, I've never watched our offensive line coach teach how to hold. I just know people like to grab on, on the natural skills. Uh, oh, but, <laughs> but the separation, I mean, and if you want a holding call, you got to get separation. Uh, I told my guys, I don't care if their arms are wrapped around you. 
if you can't, if you are chest to chest with them and they got their hands around your back, I don't know a referee in this state that's going to call it. So you have to, you have to create your arm length of space, and um, that's the number one. Number two, we play a gap defense. So the second thing I want my guys to do is to stay in their gap, to get uh, to play half of a man. Um, uh, I coach a lot of guys who are undersized. And uh, when I say undersized, I mean I think our my biggest D tackle is 230 pounds, maybe 240 by now. Uh, and we don't have that up here in Illinois, just so you know. That's, that's oh, y'all got small. beef up there? No, we, we we have a little smaller ones than that. Oh wow! Yeah. And so <laughs> I tell them, I said, when you're going against a 300 pound lineman, what's the point of hitting him in his chest? I said. You can't push him that way. It's a lot easier to push half of a man than to push the whole man. And uh, so we do a lot of punch, drill, separate, and half of a man drill because uh, those are the big things that you got to get done, especially if you're not going to stunt. Uh, a lot as a, de- uh, as a defensive front, you have to have that separation and be able to play in your gap and move through your gap and to get off that block. Now, with your with th- those are your two things. Is there any other things that you definitely need to look for a D lineman to do for the viewers out there? Like, so they say contact separation. You know, you're a gap defense to make sure. You know, I like how you say it, and we talk about this all the time together on the phone when we just talk chit chatting. It's it's better to attack half the person, right? Because you just oh, yeah. bull rush that person. It, it could turn into a sumo fight, right? So oh yeah, just belly bumping, or if the offensive lineman gets lower or you get lower, you could be pushing that person back on roller skates. But mm-hmm. um, what, what, other, what other things would you think a D lineman that's listening, if there is a D lineman kid listening, high school, little kid, youth kid, what is something that the D lineman kid could be doing besides, you know, the contact separation, being gap control, half the man? Is there anything else like, you know, with a stance or anything that you, that you think would be, is there like a set stance you have to be in or do you think just, Tell the kids like I tell them, just be comfortable. You know, I, I, t- I tell like them that your butt up in the air. I tell them. I mean, you want your you want your butt up. You want a flat back. Um, I tell uh, we we have our 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 hand that's not down by our face mask, so it can shoot straight up. But uh, mm-hmm. the big thing, and you touched on it, was the pad level. Every time I come out of my stands, I don't want to pop straight up and be chest to chest with that guy. I want to hit him with a rising blow. So if I'm hitting him with a rising blow, I'm under him, I'm under his pads, and then I make him do what I want him to do. Uh, if you stand up and stand up with a big guy, they, they have all control. Uh, like you said, it's like a sumo wrestler, and uh, if you've ever seen two sumo wrestlers go at it, and uh, the, the great thing about sumo wrestlers is it doesn't matter the weight class sometimes. That's what I love watching that. If you see a a little guy or a smaller guy in sumo versus, uh, you know, a bigger guy in sumo, and they just go chest to chest, the bigger guy wins every time. Um, mm-hmm. But when you are under under the pad level or the chest level, we tell, uh, I want them to strike with the hand, um, with uh, the hand, uh, with their inside hand at the V of the neck and the outside hand on uh, the outside part of the shoulder pad. Uh, when you strike that and you're low and you're half a man and you're under him, you get to push him and put him on skates, and then, therefore, you control where the line of scrimmage goes. Um, so the uh, pad level is huge, separation is huge, and then attacking half a man. Those three things can win a, a de- a, the line of scrimmage for a defensive lineman. And that, and that, you know, people don't realize, you know, we get all the – the, the running backs, you know, I played quarterback, you played running back, you know, the wide receivers, we get all the praise, right? But the people don't realize, even the old line coaches do, you know, and D line coaches, they understand. It all comes right there. Like, oh, yes. It can't, it can't happen without those people, you know, and they say, well, the skill positions are, you know, the offensive wide receivers, the quarterbacks, the running backs, but that's not true. Every position is a skill position. You know, I wrote oh, a blog. I wrote a blog like back in March on that. Um, if you want to, if any of my listeners that don't know, uh, www.coachstonefootball.com. There's free blogs there and things like that. You can read up on that. But you can also find that 
under the blog section where it's, you know, if it's not for those O-line and D-linemen, it's not going to happen. It's like the seven-on-seven camps. You can do great in that, but if you don't have an O-line, come, come Friday, come in the fall, there, there's nothing you're going to do. You know, you need, you need the O-line to go from there. So, oh, yes. okay, Ricky, I just, about the whistles, about the blow, good, the whistle blow. Okay, so now we're at halftime. So uh, we're going to take a two-minute break, Ricky, and then we're going to come back to you, okay? That sounds good. The Big Four, a physical education book written by Coach Anthony Stone, can be purchased through the following locations, Amazon, iTunes, BarnesandNoble.com, and Kobo. So we're back from halftime. Ricky, it's a pleasure. Thanks for, having, thanks for being on uh, Coach Stone Podcast again. Uh, how's, how's, you, are you good? Did you get a water break and stuff? Oh, I'm great. I got all the water I need. Yeah, yeah I agree. Okay. All so, right. Okay, so there's something you wanted to ask me when we were on break. What was that, what was that question again? Yeah, um, you were touching about the offensive line skill, uh, skill being a skill player and the defensive line being skill players. Um, I was going to ask you, did you ever do anything special for your offensive lineman? Uh, yes, hey, that's a great, that's awesome. And, I, and what I'll do, I'll tell you what I did, and then you, I guarantee you probably did something too because we're, we're a lot alike. So when I played at Revis High School, you know, in, uh, in, in Burbank, I took my offensive lineman out for lunch. So, and I, and there's some days, you know, and, you know, Jeff, my, my center, uh, and Tony and all those other guys, Ben, you know, I'm going to probably forget one and they're going to hit me, hate me for it. Lou. And, uh, we, I would take them out for lunch. Right. And Jeff, mm-hmm. I remember Jeff too, but I, I would take them either. We would go to it was old country buffet. And I remember I bought them one time and I remember I bought them pizza, not pizza. I think I bought them something one time, but, um, they would do great for me, you know, and I totally appreciated that because I'll tell you that right now, if it wasn't for those guys back when I was at Revis, I wouldn't be where I'm at today with, with oh, the yeah. football aspect. That makes sense. And then oh, when I went to college does. at Loris, I, um, I did take my line out for every time I did a really good job, especially when I won Wendy's MVP player of the game. I would take them out and uh, buy them. Uh, I remember one Wendy's. time I was able to buy them steaks. Um, <laughs> Wendy's MVP, they all get some free Wendy's, right? Well, hey, I, you know what? That was funny. You win it twice, and you never got free Wendy's. I just want you to know that. I, mean, I only <laughs> won it twice in my career, but I don't remember. Maybe if any other guys that played for Loris remembers that we, we got a Wendy's thing. I never got a discount. Maybe they just – because I transferred in, and then I, that's how I won them. I mm-hmm. transferred in. I got hurt my first year, but my second year I came back. I won it twice. So if someone, someone might have played a joke on me or something like that. <laughs> you know, but but hey, enough about this right now because I know I'm probably gonna get in trouble for one of my offensive linemen at Revis or at Loris. One of my offensive linemen are gonna be like, wait, a second. no, you didn't do that, Stone. Uh, you know, you you have five kids yourself. You, you took your five kids out to lunch, not the five linemen. But uh, <laughs> why, don't, why don't you tell me what you did in high school? Well, uh, what my dad and I did is um, after a thousand yard season. Um, we bought the offensive lineman trophies, and uh, I, got, I earned the nickname uh, Baby Bull in uh, Baby. high school. Baby Bull. It was originally ba- Baby Angus uh, because, <laughs> I, yeah, Baby I didn't. Angus. Yeah, and, you know, I said, what's an Angus? And, you know, I'm a straight-up non-country boy, uh, uh, but I live in the deep south in, in country. And uh, they were like, an Angus is a black bull. I said, okay. So I, I, I took that and called myself Baby Bull, and then I earned the nickname Baby Bull. Uh, and uh, what we would do is we would buy uh, five uh, trophies, and the trophies were about two and a half to three foot tall uh, of horsemen. Jeez. And so um, it would have the year, uh, how many yards we gained as, you know, I gained for, uh, with them. Because uh, I couldn't do it without, uh, we couldn't do it without those linemen. And then my senior year, um, you know, the goal of that year was the, uh, our goal was 2,000 yards uh, rushing. And so, at every 500 yard mark, uh, my dad would cook steaks, and just the offensive linemen could come over. Now you said and only so, five, though. 
You only had Every, five trophies. But you uh, had, you five, five offensive linemen. Yeah. Well, no. Uh, we cooked steaks for the offensive linemen. And, oh, well, okay. Yeah. Oh, well, no. The five, the, the starting, the ones I played with, uh, the got starters. It, got it, got it. And so um, the five offensive linemen, and uh, I think my senior year I had two fullbacks. So uh, they all got steaks. And so I, I remember one time uh, one of the players said, this is so cool. When are we going to do this again? And my dad said, the next time you get uh, – uh, my, my baby uh, bull, my baby Angus. <laughs> <laughs> the next time you guys go out and get uh, – like I think I was at 500 and 511 yards or something like that. And he said, the next time you guys get, uh, you know, 500-yard mark, you know, when you hit 1,000, we'll, we'll do it again. Uh, my dad, he didn't know it was going to be the next week because that Friday I had 409 yards rushing. So, Jeez Louise. He said, I, I was going to do it fast, but I didn't want to do it this fast. <laughs> the, follow, the following week. Well, that's awesome. Okay, so how many trophies did your dad and you guys hand out? 15? Uh think because uh, the first my first two years we were in split back beer so uh 10 that year and then the my last year we went to i and i was an i i was the i tailback and so it was seven because it was the five starters and the two fullbacks okay so so how many trophies are out there in the united states of america right now if we we could find them uh, if we could find them probably 17 17 so here we go listeners ricky you gotta do me a favor and tell your wife too Share this thing when we when this thing gets published or when we when once we get on the air here for this thing, I want to see at least ten old baby bull trophies handed out. <laughs> Horse, what is it? Horses, you said, right? Yeah, they were horsemen. Yeah, we got we got to see if we can find ten horses for you. So <laughs> because I still have my trophies when I was younger, and that'd be cool. Yeah. Like I still have a book where my linemen and my whole team for my junior and senior year in high school, they signed it, and I keep it in a book locked up so even, like, can't get wet or nothing, and it's sealed, where they all autographed it one day after, before, like, a, like a dinner, and I still cherish that, and now it's framed up on my wall behind my thing. I'll, and I've taken a picture before and posted it on Facebook and social media, but, I mean, it's something where I will cherish forever because it wasn't for those men helping me out to be a better athlete. Like I said, I wouldn't be where I'm at today with football. Oh, uh, that, yeah, that's, a, that, that's a great thing. Now let's go to, we had a kickoff. We had our first drive. We had a halftime. We did a little extra halftime. We little had the marching band and everything going earlier when we had halftime because when I said I hit halftime, marching band was going. Um, let's do the kickoff return because we got the ball now. Okay. All right. All right. So, this is the biggest thing, and I, I know we talked about we talked about this every day. Like when, when not every day, but when we talk, we talk about today's athlete, right? Mm-hmm. And not like they used to be with 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 you and I, because we we were we were born differently, right? We didn't have water breaks. We 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 did we did. Uh, I remember two a days. I remember six a days and four a days. You know, now we're like not even doing two a days. I don't think anymore. If we do, it's barely anything. Um, how do, how do, like what's different? Besides the social media and everything, you know, that's something we could win a Nobel Peace Prize on. Social media has really changed, and that's for a future podcast. But today's athlete, how do, we, how, how do you motivate those players today Then, like, you started – how many years did you start coaching again? Uh, uh, 13. I've been coaching for 13 years. 13. So the kids have changed in 13 years, right? Let's say oh, they have. Yeah. I don't know if you, yeah. Oh, they've changed a lot in 13 years. So let's go with this first. 13 years ago. For today's athlete, how, what's the difference for motivation factors? Go into that motivation. Uh, I think 13 years ago it was more, and again this is before like you know uh, a lot of social media. It was more you did it because the athletes I coach were doing it to try to find a way out of a situation. Um, uh, they they wanted to go to college for some for some reason and. Uh, or it was at, at Jefferson County when I was coached there my first year. It was – that was a culturalistic thing. Uh, I remember uh, they wanted to break up the school and because uh, uh, the school was getting overcrowded and they wanted to break up the school. And they are like, no, we're not going to do this. Because uh, – and the sole reason they weren't going to break up the school is because they didn't want to have two football teams in that county. Um, 
So, I mean, it is a very culturalistic thing. So you grew up loving football. It was Monday nights for freshman football, Tuesday nights for middle school football, Wednesday was church, Thursday nights were uh, – no, Monday nights were JV football, Tuesday uh, middle school football, Thursdays were freshman football, Fridays varsity, Saturdays were peewees, and then uh, Sundays were for the NFL. So, I mean, it was, it, you had one day off, and that was Wednesday night. It was football all around the clock. You know? when, Wednesday was church day. Wednesday, Wednesday was church day. Oh, yeah. Church was a Wednesday. Okay, yes. so that was the, those athletes. So today's athletes, right? You know, with me coaching at the high school and stuff, you know, you coach your kids. I coach my kids. Okay, what's the, what about today's guy, you know? Uh, today's athlete how do you motivate that like tell our viewers how you do it so if there's something that you say right now they can write it down like i'm writing down little notes for me because i got my little three little things to make a good defensive lineman ready to go give me give me something that your the viewers can hear hey today's athlete you're coaching this athlete this is how i motivate them. maybe it works for you all right the number one thing that works for me is i develop a relationship with you have to develop a relationship with today's athlete uh, because if they feel like you can't be trusted or you're fake, uh, they don't care what you say. And I've had athletes tell me that, you know, I don't – when some when, when other coaches yell at me, uh, they don't listen uh, just because they are never around them. They don't really have a, a strong relationship with them. But when I yell at them, they can pay attention. Um, and then I can't yell at every athlete. Uh because some athletes, and um, some athletes, you yell at them and they'll buckle. Uh, like, a other turtle, athletes, like a turtle, like a turtle, right? Just like going, a turtle. They go into their shell, right? And those are yeah, the tough ones, right? Uh, and it, it, can, it can be the tough ones. It can be the not so tough ones. Um, other athletes, uh, you yell at them and they thrive. Um, I remember after we played one game this year, and. Um, I think we gave up the most rushing yards we've uh, we've given up in a long time. And, you know, I took it to heart with my D-tackles, and I was really upset with my D-tackles. And uh, I just yelled at all of them. And then I, I had a mom call me because uh, she was concerned because her son, we won the game, but her son was crying after, after the game because he knew he didn't play well. And I had to uh, I had to talk to him and say, I know the effort that you give is you give it your all. And um, I said, I'm, I'm not disappointed in your effort. I'm disappointed in, you know, we weren't able to achieve what we wanted to achieve. And so I had to pull him aside and talk to him. Um, I've had another athlete this year who uh, who I yelled at and uh, – uh, and he, he's just not responding to the yelling. And so I pulled him aside and I talked to him. I said, what's going on? And he just cried on my shoulder for a little bit and told me about some uh, some family issues he was having. And uh, so I just had to hug him and tell him that I'm here for him no matter what. He can always call me. He can always come by my house. Uh, and that's how I motivated him. I had uh, another tackle this year who he's got athletic ability, uh, but he just makes uh, some – he makes he makes mistakes that are costly at times, like uh, getting, uh, getting personal foul penalties. And it's not that he's malicious in trying to get a personal foul penalty. He just is the second one to get caught when somebody's hitting him, and, you know, and he pushes back. He gets that penalty. And so there's a couple of games this year – that uh, he got pulled out uh, for the for the rest of the game, and I I just had to tell him I said playing these type of teams was not your strong suit this year. I said, but I'm going to stick with you. I'm going to keep coaching you, and I promise you, you are going you we're going to find the team that is you, that you fit in. And this kid ends up playing most of the state championship game when he hadn't really played in what maybe one to two series, the two, uh, the semifinal game and the quarterfinal game. He plays uh, only rotate three defensive tackles, and he's one of those three. And he plays for three quarters in that in the state championship game. So oh, wow. it's 
it's constantly motivating. You know, I know where your strong suits are at. I'm going to find a way to put you in your strong suit. Uh, it's knowing those relationships, knowing when a kid needs to be yelled at, knowing when a kid needs to be hugged, knowing when a kid uh, – and there's a lot of times I make mistakes too. And then no, being able to say, I messed up. You did what you were supposed to. That is my fault. Well, I think when kids see that, they know you're real. They know you want what's best for them, and then they're easily motivated. I think a lot of times kids feel like their coaches are just out for them, for themselves. Uh, they just want to know they, they want their winning record, and they want their state championship. I don't feel like – I feel like I need to put my, my athletes in front of me. Well, that's, all, that's great. Um, Ricky, thank you very much for that answer. Uh, we just got the whistle. Okay, so now the next question, okay? So, you know, it sounds like, you know, relationships and things like that, you know, and you motivate them. And, like, you, we were talking about a turtle, right? And, mm-hmm. you, you know, you have those turtles and you have those kids that big bad ones and things like that. The, the, the follow-up question for the, for the second drive question is this. What holds today's athlete back from be, playing their best? You know, because 13 years ago, listen, if I was coaching a kid 13 years ago, I can just say, hey, go do this, and they go do it. Nowadays, and I don't know if you get this, but some days I get, I got you, coach. I got you. Or you do it wrong, and they do it wrong over and over and over again, right? Mm-hmm. But, and I, I'm not going to run a kid. Like, I don't know if you, you know, you remember the old school when we, we played? You know, if, 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 if I got something wrong, Coach Stone, you got something wrong, great. Go run a lap. But when I come mm-hmm. back and run that lap, they're going to ask me the exact same question. Well, one, I'm not a marathon runner, right? So, and yeah, I was never a marathon runner in the first place, right? But when I come back, two things are going to happen. One, I'm going to be pissed off at the coach. Two, I'm going to be upset. And three, I still don't know what I'm going to do. So I'm going to miss about four or five reps at least, right? Mm -hmm. And so I know the old school version of, you know, coaches doing this and, you know, with my camps that I do with the Back to the Basics, you know, it's not about, you know, like making the kids run laps. You know, it's about teaching them teachable moments like you were talking about earlier, but, you know, what holds a player, today's athlete, back from being their best? What do you think it is? All right. Well, first, the only punishment I give my guys is if they jump off sides. Uh, and then it's five up-downs. And then, But I don't take them out to do those five up-downs because we rotate in practice. So yeah. after they come out of their series of their, you know, they, they get their reps that they owe me or that, you know, that they're given. And then they come out and they do five up downs or if they jump off sides twice, they do 10 up downs or if they're a nose guard, they do 10 up downs. Uh, so that's the only time, that's the only type of punishment I do. Um, a lot of times I feel like what holds people back is when we played, it was your coach was the know-all be-all. So, you know, when the coach told you something, you did what the coach said. I remember my dad telling me, he said, if I want you to do something, all I got to do is tell your coach and you will do it because you won't mm-hmm. listen to me. I think now you have parents that think they know more than the coach. You have uh, outside sources that think they know more than the coach. There are a lot of um, – down, down south there are a lot of uh, recruiting services that think they know more than the coach. So you have a lot of outside sources telling you how great you are, how great you can be, uh, and then you have a coach, and the coach's literal job is to break you down, to build you back up. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like the army. You know, they say an army of one. You have to mm-hmm. break a person of being selfish to make them selfless. And then you have all these outside sources telling you, no, be selfish. You've got to get yours. It's, it's all about you. And so when you have all those, all those, all those uh, outside sources coming at you, and then you only have one source telling you it's got to be about the team, it's got to be about the team, it's harder to motivate the kid, especially if you got somebody like when I tell when I tell people and or I tell our, our guys, do your job. That's all you got to do. If you do your part, if you do your part in, if you do your part in this uh, in this plan or this play, we succeed. Like if you look, at, 
Huh? I think Dobo Sweeney said it best. Do your job. You know, do I, your I, job? Got to, I, I got to hear him speak in March. Uh, my wife and a, another coach surprised me with a little gift, and they got, I was able to go down to Clemson, listen to Dobo Sweeney speak. It's it's pretty amazing. He just says, you know what, do your job. If not, next man up. You know, do right. your job. And I think that, like you're saying, do your job. With today's athlete, I think, like you said it perfectly, like the entitlement and stuff. You know, 13 years ago, we didn't have that. I don't think social media was huge 13 years ago. You yeah. know, and especially when we played. I mean, I don't know about you, but my highlight tapes are still on VHS. I don't know if yours are. But my little VHS. Yeah, my, my and then the, you know, my son asked, hey, Dad, can I see you play? And I'm like, yeah, you want to pop the VCR out? He's like, what's that? And then I put it out. It looks like he says, oh, it's a toaster. And I'm like, no, that, son, that's a VCR. So, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think it's awesome. I mean, because kids don't realize what they want to do. And then they see things on TV or other kids do it in a real game and they want to mimic it. Or if they see naughty things or bad things happen, then I don't know. It just makes the game more not as lovable as it was 10, 5, 15 years ago. Yeah, it's tainted. It it becomes tainted. And, I mean, that was the hardest thing. And I I give – we had a first-year coach this year, 28 years old, uh, first-year coach, uh, first-year head coach. He's been with us for five years. And uh, I give him credit because after every practice, what he preached was be selfless. You got to put the team before me, and um, that was a big thing. You, you get like if you get like for us playing a gap defense, and uh, um, if we stunt and our our tackles are going in one gap and the linebackers in the same gap as a tackle, and we had an end looking the same gap as a tackle, we got three guys in one gap, and there's two other gaps open on that on the weak side, and we we got to all right, here's a part where we're not doing our job. So we got to look and see who's not doing what they're supposed to do. And uh, sometimes it's conversation about that. It's, it's got to be about your job. you got to be your cog in the watch or the clock. That That's what makes it go. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of times people, people see athletes try to do everything and they feel like they can do everything, but what they don't really realize that, you know, even when you're watching the pro athletes or, you know, top-notch NCAA athletes, they couldn't do what they did if it wasn't for other people doing their jobs. There is yeah, not it, one <laughs> single player that can take on 11 other people. I don't care what anybody says, one versus 11, not going to happen. Just like a quarterback cannot win a game without those skill offensive line positions. You know, oh, yes. running back can't run. Baby bull in the back, the backfield can't get through the line if there's no one blocking for them. But, yeah, okay, oh. that's a great, great segue. Let's um, – whistle's about to blow. That that ends the second drive. Now we're down to a two-minute warning. We're almost done, Ricky. I hope I hope you're not upset. Maybe we could stay longer, maybe do one overtime question. But for our two-minute warning, one of the questions I want to ask you is this. We both have great coaches' wives. We both have, you know, both have kids. I mean, we can almost make a football team with all our kids, right? Yeah. So what's it like, you know, do you, well, one, do you coach your child? Uh, I, I coached both of them on a flag football team this year. Flag football. Okay. So, and with that being said, tell, let, how, how is it like? What's it like? Because, you know, myself, you know, just give it a little bit of me. I coach my son's flag football team. I love it to death. It's phenomenal. Wouldn't trade it for the world. I've coached my daughter, two of my daughters is soccer. Hopefully the next one coming up. And then the other one that's, you know, just a newborn, she hopefully, she'll play sports. Hopefully one of the girls, if they want to, they want to play women's professional tackle. That'd be great. But, uh, you know, tell me how it is. You know, I, I said it in one podcast, it's priceless. But let, let the viewers hear from you. What do you think about coaching your child? The positives, negatives, takeaways, and all that stuff. Go ahead. Well, I'll be I'll be quite honest. Um, I never wanted to coach my children, never. Um, and the reason is I was afraid that I would be too tough on them. Um, I, I I love I love being around my kids, and I love being a dad. And I've never wanted to be that dad 
who is yelling and screaming at their child. Uh, I, I hate parents that do that. And uh, when I'm at games, I try my best to move away from the crowd so, so I can just enjoy watching my child play. Uh, that being said, this year uh, I, got, uh, I have a son uh, from a previous relationship, and uh, his stepdad uh, at, uh, chose to be the head coach of his flag football team and needed, a, uh, needed an assistant coach. And I told him if he needed an assistant coach, I would do it. And so my son. Wait, wait, what was your title? What was your title? Did you were you OCDC assistant head? What was it? Uh, you call me associate head coach, but I, I like I like saying I was director of uh, of parent complaints and uh, parent. Uh, I was the parent liaison. Hey, uh, listen, isn't that funny? How when they get us to volunteer, like you know, guy up in Rockford, he does an excellent job with the flag program with the Rockford Park District. And I love it because whenever he goes, hey, you're going to coach your son, right? I'm like, yeah, of course, you know, or whatever, you know. But it's like I'm the parent complaint, right? They come to me first because if there's an assistant with us, they don't go to them. They always come to me to complain because yeah. I'm already a coach. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So we're already used to it, right? Oh, yes. Definitely. So, um, and then my daughter, uh, this is my son's last year playing in six to eight-year-olds. And so my six-year-old daughter said uh, – that she wanted to play with her brother for one year. That's awesome. And, uh, and so we put her in flag to play with her brother. And uh, seeing my son, who's played flag two years, watching him grow from he caught one ball all of last year, he played center all of last year, to seeing him be a part of, I mean, and we lost every game but one. Uh, but to see him be a part of and grow something, he was the he was the positive kid on the team. Uh, he ended up having two interceptions. Uh, again, a kid that only caught one ball all of last year on offense and wouldn't chase anybody down. Uh, ended up having two interceptions and one returned for a touchdown. There you go. Uh, that was amazing. I, and I, I was very proud of him. But also seeing my daughter, uh, my daughter being a six-year-old on the team, uh, she played backup quarterback and she played linebacker. Uh, seeing her run after and just smile, like she missed a lot of flag pulling opportunities, but she had the biggest smile just being on the field. Uh, and then uh, she, she's uh, they were trying to get her to throw a touchdown to her brother, and she's ended up throwing a couple of oh, through one interception and uh, another incomplete pass, but. She was just proud of the moment that as a as a girl and as a six-year-old, she was out there competing, and that's what I love seeing. So as a, uh, as a coach of my children this year, and especially of that age, six, seven, and eight years old, I realized I can, I can pull back the reins. Like, I can just let go. I can let go a little bit and just let them enjoy this age. Uh, because they're never going to be this age again. I don't think there's ever going to be a time my daughter wants to play flag football again. She told me the other day she doesn't like getting hot and sweaty, so she's done with that. Uh, <laughs> now, was she a cheerleader before, or did she, she just she, was, she, she She loves the air conditioning, so she can cheer in the air conditioning. You know, you really got to get you a cheerleading coach. That's what you got to do, Ricky, next year. Coach your uh, cheerleading team. Oh, no. I, I, now, see, she, I, was, I practiced her cheers with her now. Don't don't get right. twisted. Well, I'm that to, I'm that dad you to, saw in the commercial. We're gonna have to put that in the on the bottom of the comment when they post this. I want to see <laughs> a little picture of you practicing that. You know, <laughs> so it could be the Ricky Upton challenge. You know how the ice buck challenge, the ice bucket <laughs> challenge. We'll the do the Ricky Upton challenge. challenge, the dancing Uh-oh. daughter challenge. Because like I said before, you know, I hope I hope my younger daughters and you know even my oldest daughter that I have. I would, I would hope they play football. I mean, they don't, I'm not going to force them. And I think you didn't say this, but we didn't force our kids to play. Oh, you no. Know, where some parents want to push it on them, push it on them, push on them. So when they do get to high school or something, they're like, ah, I'm done. Or when, I get to, when I'm done with high school, I'm like, ah, I'm done. Or I'm burned out because I'm playing, I'm playing football all year round. Or I'm playing this all year round. Three-sport athletes is huge. Now, I know that's for a different conversation. And hopefully, Ricky, you'd like to come back to the Coach Stone podcast for another guest appearance. You know, I'd love to have you. 
But that's the end of our two-minute warning. The end of the game is about to hit. So, boom, there's the end of the game buzzard. Um, I want to thank Ricky. I want to thank you. I want to thank your wife, you know, for letting me borrow you for an hour. I know my wife's my wife is probably like, where's he at? He's hidden away. <laughs> you know, the kids are probably running around hectic, you know. But, hey, thank you very much for coming to the show. I appreciate it. Um, everyone, make sure you go to JC Radio, JC Hawk Radio. Dot com to listen to future podcasts. Uh, our next guest will be announced shortly uh, once this uh, show is posted. Um, this The next guest will be also announced. Um, anything, Ricky, listen, with the two-minute warning, you know, I usually do two minutes. You, you got, I know, and I know we're, we're, we're in overtime now, so I apologize for doing this, but this is your overtime. Do you want to say anything to the listening audience about anything we talked about or you want to leave us with some kind of thing, and I'll say goodbye to the audience then? <laughs> well, first, I want to thank you for having me on the show, and um, I actually want to thank my wife, Tina. She has, we've been out and riding around, and she has been driving me around and been, like, she's been mouse quiet the whole time. And i got to thank uh, my kids, Christian and Destiny, who were who have decided to fall asleep while we ride around in the dark and uh, not yell and scream at each other because uh, they've been awesome. Um, I, again, the biggest thing I can stress to a listener is, um, especially a coach, is to have relationships with your kids. Uh, know what's, what's the best part about them. Know what's the worst part about them. Um, th- those are the biggest relationship things that, you know, that helps you with your, ch- uh, with your kids, your coach. And uh, I also got to thank my wife for one more thing. Um, Wednesdays during the season, we have uh, close to 20 boys. It doesn't matter what position you play. Uh, come over the house, and my wife cooks a meal for them uh, every Wednesday. And this this past year, it was 15 weeks. She uh, it, she cooks a meal for them. We don't ask uh, for them to bring money or uh, anything. We just ask for them to bring themselves. And my wife does uh she plans the meals and she makes the meals all by herself and uh i know i couldn't have half the relationships i have without her well that's awesome well thank you ricky uh appreciate it tell your wife i said hi again like i always do when we talk uh but that's that's uh back to the basis it's uh coach stone's podcast i want to thank everybody for listening see you later everybody see you in a couple weeks coach stone podcast I